it's, um, it is a privilege. Um, and I, I really do love preaching. I've missed it. Um, but I've been, um, it's been nice to be also at home with the children and um, to, to know that you know, God has control of our lives. Um, I want us to, to read different chapters. Um, the, the message that I want to share with you this morning is called um, Standing with Jesus in Difficult Times. Because I think it's so important, you know, how um, are we, how do we face, when, how do we behave or how, how do we deal when there are difficult times happening in our life? And I think the best place to learn it is by looking at Jesus' example. So in um, John chapter 10, verses 1 to 15, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door by, its shepherd, uh, uh, by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will, he will be saved and will go, on, will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 25, Jesus is um, telling the disciples about what's going to happen to him. So it says in verse 21, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now we move on to Matthew Chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. When he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. 
And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So, leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep, and take your rest later. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed, is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going to see my betrayer at hand. And then lastly, in John chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. This is now when Jesus is going to be arrested. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a hand of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and of the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And he said, and and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that that he had spoken of those whom he you gave me, I have not lost one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Marcus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Cephas, who was the high priest that year. And it was Cephas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl, who kept watch at the door, and he brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You are also not one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Then verses 25 to 27. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, 
you are also not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowd. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your words. I just pray that your word be the one that changes our hearts, be the one that guides our steps, be the one that brings conviction into our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you today that you speak into our hearts, into our needs, into our lives. We need a word from you. We need to be strengthened by you. We need to learn how to face difficult times, how to face when we deal with different difficult situations, Lord. We pray that you will guide us, that you will help us, and that out of um, this word today, you will give us that word that we need to stand firm and to continue in this race that you've given us. Father, I pray for every person that's watching us as well, Lord. May your word be um, spoken into their lives. May you, um, Lord, fill them with your presence and may you encourage them at this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I was saying to you earlier that the best person that we can learn, you know, how to do uh, and, and how to face difficult times is Jesus. And I think there, there's different stories that we've just read are, are showing us, the, the, I think, one of the most difficult times that Jesus had to go through. We haven't seen the, the crucifixion, but this is the, the prelude for what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen to him. And, um, and something that uh, we, we read, we read in, in John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy it. But Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That is a promise that I, I always take it in my heart because sometimes I think at some point in my life, I, I understood that if you're a Christian, whatever mess your life was in, as soon as you become a Christian, then all of a sudden there's going to be no mess. All of a sudden everything's going to be good. You know, all the doors are going to open up for you. You're going to be blessed in everything that you do. There's not going to be no more, point, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Everything just goes really well for you. But then when you start walking in the Christian life, you realize that that is not true. That is not what Jesus promised us. That, that we will have in heaven, but not on earth. In fact, actually, Jesus says that if you want to be his disciple, you actually have to take up your cross which is an interesting thing. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, if you, want, if you want to be my follower, you have to make a lot of sacrifices by taking up your cross. And so I don't know how many of you, you know, when you're trying to preach the gospel to people and they listen to you and they know you're a Christian, the, the one thing they, they, they will always come up to you and say, okay, if, if God really exists, why is there so much suffering in the world? If God really exists and he's so loving like you're telling me, why are there so many children suffering? If God really exists, why are there so many wars and why is the, the world in a mess? And it's a very confronting question because I don't think we have an answer for that question. There is not an answer for a question, uh, for that question. However, I have come to, to understand that this is a broken world. And, and broken people will, will break other people. People who are hurt are going to hurt others. 
And that's why Jesus came. And that's what the, the thief does. He comes to steal, to, to destroy, and to kill. And if he can do that to our lives, then we will do that to others. But Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. That's, that's the opposite of what the enemy wanted to do in our lives. The enemy wanted to destroy us and to kill us. But Jesus came to give us a new beginning, a hope in the midst of this chaos that we have to live through. In the midst of this broken world, we, are, we may be a broken vessel, but a broken vessel in the hands of God can be a powerful tool. And I think, you know, my answer to those people will be, this is a broken world and you're not going to see the best here. In heaven we will, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more suffering, there'll be no more pain. But whilst we live in this broken world, we're going to get all of that. The difference is now that I have Jesus with me, and now he walks by my side. Now Jesus helps me in those difficult times. And so, you know, how, how is it that we can remain calm and, and, still, and, and still be able to overcome these difficult times when we see this mess that we live in? I think during this um, season, you know, since March till even now, and we don't know what's going to happen ahead, you know, the world has gone through loads of changes that I don't think no one ever could say, you know, I can see that in three months' time, the world is going to stand still and nothing's going to move and everyone's going to stay home. It, it's just something that we've never experienced in our lifetime. But, um, and, but I, I, I saw that during this pandemic time, you know, we've been praying for so long. You probably longer than me because I've only been in the church for three years. But you've been praying so for so long, for City Temple to get this development happening. And, and, it, uh, and during the time that I've been with you, it's been like, yes, it's happening. No, it's not happening. Yes, it's happening. No, it's not happening. Yes, we're going to sign. No, it's not signing. And it felt like, really, Lord? You know, I, I felt like that for a little bit. You felt it for a lot longer. And then during the pandemic, we got good news that, you know, for me was, really? Yes, finally, that's great. But we still don't know what's going to happen. But I think it, it was just trusting God that we knew, okay, God, you have control. Whether they sign the papers or not, you have a way. You're going to make a way. You're going to do something. And that's just, you know, in terms of City Temple. But the church has gone through a, a different time, a different season now. You know, we were so used to, obviously, coming together and preaching like that. Now it has to be done online. There are still many churches who have not been able to gather together because they don't have a building of their own. So they still have to carry on online. They don't know until when, because until the government allows people to be closer, you know, it's just for them impossible. And so, you know, I'm thinking, even for us, we have to leave this building now. So how are we as a church going to face the, the next season for our lives? And one of the, the words God, God was bringing to my mom was, it has to be done through discipleship. To, through discipleship. Now, what is discipleship? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life would lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is kind of a con contradu contradictory message in the sense that if you want to say something, you have to lose it. You know, it, it, it kind of in, in our mind is like, it doesn't make sense. If I want to save my life, do, how am I going to lose it? How is that going to work? Um, so what do I mean by this term disciple or, or 
discipleship. Now, in Christianity, uh, or, or the term discipleship, is, is a follower, a, a disciple is a dedicated follower of Jesus. It's a dedicated, so not anybody could be a disciple. A disciple is those who are dedicated, those who are um, 100% want, want to follow Jesus. Those, that's why the disciples were called Jesus' disciples because they dedicated their life to follow him everywhere. They, they would sleep with him. They would follow him. Wherever he was, they, they were there. Because the, the, the term that they used or, or, the, or the idea back then was that a disciple was um, a pu pupil apprentice. It was like an apprenticeship. So after a while, and by the way, Jesus' disciples weren't the only disciples in the New Testament. There were other rabbis that people would follow and they wanted to learn their teachings and so on. But for us, a disciple, to be a disciple means that we are a dedicated follower of Jesus. So in other words, we want to be like him. We want to follow his footsteps. And one of the interesting things that I see is that for us and a follower or to be an apprentice, um, it's not something that happens, you know, when you're an apprentice, uh, you are, let's say, a year or two years, and then after that you're supposed to know, you know, the trade or, or whatever you want, you're learning, and then you start doing it by yourself. But for us as Christians, we will never stop being a disciple. We're always learning, we're always growing, we're always maturing. For us, it's, it's a matter of, of a lifetime learning. And the first thing, I'm, I just want to uh, share two things with you. To be a disciple, Jesus says, number one, be ready to take up your cross. Now, to me, this was interesting because Jesus didn't say, now you have to take up my cross. Jesus didn't say, take up my cross. Jesus said, you have to take up your cross. And an interesting thing is that Jesus' cross was one that was for him. He knew what, why he came here to earth. He knew that he, he, he was born to die for the world. My cross, it's going to be different from your cross. Your cross is going to be different from my cross. Each one of us has to carry a cross that's going to be different for everyone because our lives are different. And I found that very important because many times, I think one of the, the, the tools that the enemy uses in our lives to hindrance our growth, to hindrance our purpose, to understand our purpose, is that he wants us to, to look at ourselves and think, oh, I'm incapable. Oh, I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. That person, that person is good enough. If I could only have the, um, the way that person speaks, then I could do it. If I, I could only, you know, read as much the Bible as that person does, it, then I could do it. If I could only have, you know, that spiritual life like that person, then I could do it. The, the enemies always wanted us to look at other people and look at the good stuff that they have, which is great, but always look at yourself and think, I can't do it. That person can, but I can't do it. And the, the funny thing is that that person is looking at someone else thinking, I can't do it. If I could only be like that person, then I could do it. I can't do it myself. You know, and, 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 and as soon as you um, take away that life from the enemy, from your life, then your potential is going to be fulfilled then you will really live that life that God wants you to live. Because the life that God wants you to live is not the life that he wants me to live. Because you have gone through different times, different seasons, different um, things in your life that I haven't experienced. 
And that's the way God wants to use you. It's not a, a bad thing. It's just how God wants to use you. One of the things when we take up our cross that we need to bear in mind, because I told you at the beginning that sometimes we, we, we think that being a Christian means that all of a sudden you're going to have this wonderful life that nothing bad is ever going to happen to you, but that is not true. <laughs> Taking up your cross means that you have to deny things, that you might experience betrayal, Jesus did, that you might experience loneliness, Jesus did, that, you know, when he needed his disciple the most, they all abandoned him, they all left him. The one that really was willing to die for, for Jesus, he said it, and I, I'm sure he meant it at that moment. Peter, he said, Lord, if I have to die with you, I will die for you. Jesus says, don't go ahead of yourself, Peter. You know, today, you are going to deny me three times. Jesus knew, like, no, Lord, don't say that. I will never, I will die before I do that. Yet he did it. Jesus knows, you know, how, what we're capable of and what we can't do. And, 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 he, and, you know, when Jesus said that to Peter, he wasn't, he wasn't saying it to say, you know, you're not good enough. He was just telling him, you know, calm down. There's something that I need to do because uh, Peter didn't want Jesus to die. Peter wanted Jesus to not experience death, but Jesus knew what he had to go through. So, you know, we are going to experience those things as well in, at some point in our life. And sometimes we, you know, when we experience them, when we're all going through those difficult times, sometimes we think, God, where are you? You know, I'm doing this for you. And then this is happening in my life? Seriously? Seriously, God? You're allowing this in my life? How? But that's when we need to understand that our Christian life, all of these things are teaching us something. It's, it's, um, it's like a, a, a ground that God is working in our lives so that we can be growing, but also that we can be teachers for others as well. Romans chapter 8, verses um, 17 and 18 says, Now, if we are children, if we're his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I tell you now, if you're a follower of Christ, expect suffering. Expect that abundant life as well, because God does want us to have that life in abundance, but there's also going to be sufferings with that. You know, we... Our circumstances, our lives are going to go through different situations, and they've already been through different situations. You know, um, I know of a, of a young girl. So sometimes, you know, we, we think God can use me if, you know, if, if, my, life, my, life is, if my, my life would only be perfect, then God could truly use me. If, if, if I had everything that I'm supposed to have, then I could really be used by God. But that's not really the case. We can look at many examples in the Bible and different people, how God has, have, has used them in different ways. You know, um, I know of this, this young, of this girl who, as a child, was basically given away by her parents to another family, um, to a rich family, to look after her. And it wasn't that that going to that family made her life better. If anything, she went into that family 
to be treated like a slave, basically. And uh, this family weren't very nice to her. They mistreated her. They made her work from very early in the morning till very late at night. Being a child of maybe six, five, six years old, all the way until she was about 16 years old. That was her life. That was her life. Basically a slave doing housework, doing the cleaning, doing everything in the house except the cooking. And, uh, and many times these people mistreated her and, and treated her really bad. She had a very, very low self-esteem. She couldn't look at you in the eye. She couldn't speak up. She couldn't, you know, really be the woman that God intended her to be because of her upbringing. But at some point in her life, she met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, something changed in her life. It began a process. It wasn't like she met Jesus and all of a sudden she, you know, all of a sudden everything changed. But meeting Jesus, getting to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior, began a process in her life. And then, you know, she got married, she had a family, going through lots of difficult times. But then, you know, now she can look back and look back at all of those suffering as a child. It doesn't mean that she had to go through that to become, you know, for God to use her the way she wants it, but that was what the enemy wanted to do in her life. Remember, to steal, to destroy, and to kill. That was her. That was her time of suffering from the enemy. But God used that so that all of that stuff that she learned, you know, to clean, to, to well, not cooking because that wasn't her, her strength, but to clean and to do things with excellence. Like if you ask her to to fix up a table, she won't just put the place and the, and the cups and, and the cutlery there. She would bring flowers, she would bring vase, she would bring, you know, it would, you would go and, and think that you're going to Buckingham Palace, the way she does things. But that's because of, of, of what she was taught as a child. And she recognizes, she acknowledges that all of those things have made her the woman she's now and, and opened doors for her, not just for her, but for her family. But that's only... Now, she could also have grown up and, and been be, a bitter woman saying, you know, this is my life, I suffer so much, you know, this, uh, you know, these people mistreated me, and oh, this world is terrible. And she could have grown, grown up with this bitterness in her, but Jesus made her understood that he allowed those things, that even though the enemy wanted to kill her and destroy her and damage her, God brought healing and changing restoration. It doesn't mean she's perfect. She's not a perfect woman. She still has faults. She still struggles. But she's a loving disciple of Jesus. She loves Jesus. And I think, for me, she's an example of what God wants to do with all of us. God, maybe you come from a, a good background, maybe a wealthy background. And you think, oh, but you know, I haven't gone through that suffering, so maybe God doesn't want to use me as much because you know, I haven't experienced suffering. No. The way you are, whatever God allowed in your life or is allowing even right now as we speak, that's how God wants to use you. If you only say, God, here I am with what I have and even with the stuff that I don't have, here I am, use me. God will use you and you will be amazed how God wants to show his love through you. You know, I said to you that we can look at different examples in the Bible, and, 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 but we cannot compare them. You cannot compare Joseph to Moses. You cannot compare Joseph to Daniel. Yet God used them 
uh, at, at the specific time in a specific setting. You, not, you cannot compare, for example, all the Marys that we see in the Bible, but they love Jesus. Mary, uh, Mary the, the, Jesus' mom, she was a young woman who, who understood when the, when the angel came to speak to her, that she understood that she was chosen and she, did, she thought, oh God, I, you know, I can't do this. But she understood it. You know, Esther, Esther was called in a very specific time, risking her life. So I don't know, you know, the situation that you might have to, maybe you're not facing it now, you may face it later. Whatever situation, just remember, God has control of our lives. The second thing that, that I want to share with you, you know, when we're going through difficult times, we know that, you know, we're going to go through suffering. But the second thing, and, and we see Jesus going through that, is you have to be willing to pray for strength to endure. You have to, prayer has to be a very, prayer and worship, I would say, prayer and worship are very important in our life in difficult times. Because when you're going through a difficult time, when you, you know, and, um, you know, to be honest, when we go through difficult times, you feel discouraged. When we're going through difficult times, you feel let down. When you're going through difficult times, you feel like there is no hope. You feel fear. You feel anxiety. You know, so many feelings that come in our, in our hearts that you feel, I can't do this anymore. This is so hard. And that's why we need to pray. We see here in Matthew you know, Jesus, when, when he went to, to the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in anguish, the Bible says. He knew what was going to happen, and he was in anguish. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I haven't gone through that type of... of of um, anxiety or of anguish that I've been sweating drops of blood. The, the stress or the experience that Jesus went through must have been so painful for him to do that. But I can identify with Jesus when there's been time that I felt, God, I really need you right now. I really need you right now, Lord, because if you're not with me, uh, I can't do this. And I think, you know, I don't know if you're experiencing it right now, but you will experience it at some point. There are some situations that happen in our life where we feel hopeless, where we feel like, you know, God, this is it. I can't go anymore. And, and as I was doing this, I was remembering uh, of, of someone who prays so earnestly, someone who pour out, her heart before God. Remember Hannah, Samuel's mom. She, she couldn't have a child of her own. And she, she had this desire that she really wanted to be a mom, and she couldn't. And, and then, uh, you know, we read it in Samuel in chapter 1, uh, in verse 10. It says that Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And I can also identify with Hannah. There's been times when I pray bitterly, when I've been crying before the Lord, because my need at that moment, it feels that, you know, only God can understand me. And sometimes when there's not even been words coming out of my mouth, just 
tears, or just crying. But as, as you're there, as you're praying, God is, is, is like ministering to you, and he's there listening to you and strengthening, strengthening you in that difficult time. The Bible tells us in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, in verse, um, chapter 1, verse 12, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought that she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. I don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. I don't know if you've been like her, praying with great anguish and sorrow, or maybe praying completely discouraged, maybe praying because you really think God you're the only one that can change the situation. I have no one else to turn to. I have no one else to, to talk to. I have no answers. I need to hear from you. And the way God speaks to each one of us, it's going to be different. But you need, you need God to speak to you in those times. You need God to show you where to go because it's a decision that you have to make or it's something that you have to have that strength from God. And you need you need to endure. You need to pray so that you can overcome that situation. Hannah, Hannah prayed. She poured out her heart before God. When Jesus was in that very <clears throat> difficult moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when his um, sweats were falling to the ground like drops of blood. He was praying to God intensely. But one of the things that we need to learn at that time, even though we're discouraged and we're in anguish and we're in sorrow and we have no hope, you know, you can tell Jesus everything how you feel. Lord, I feel like I, I need to give up. I feel like I can't do this anymore. I feel like I have to throw the towel. Whatever you want to say, just say it to him. It's okay. He won't mind. But one of the things you need to say at the end, but Lord, not my will. Let your will be done. Because Jesus was really going through so much pain at that moment. He was saying, God, if, this, if there is any way that this can happen, pass this cup from me. But then he said, Lord, but not my will. Let your will be done. And then after that, he was strengthened. He knew what he needed to do, and he did it. It will be the same with us. You need to, do, to go into that secret place with God. You need to go and ask him, Lord, what is it that I need to do? How am I supposed to face this situation? And God will speak to you. God will give you the, go, the word. God will show you what to do. God will give you the, give you the strategy of how you have to do it. And, and at the end, even though you, you're going to face a difficult time, a difficult season, you know, you will know 
that God is with you, that he's, giving, he's strengthened you, that he's giving you the encouragement that you can face it. That's how we face difficult times with Jesus, with him. Such a hope that we have, such a joy that we can have the Holy Spirit with us. Holy Spirit is with us all the time. Sometimes we don't feel him. Sometimes, we, like I said, we feel discouraged, but he is there. Just pour out your heart before God. Just tell him how you feel. Just let him know. Let him know that you are willing, that you are willing, because he will take, the, and, you, and you take that step to, how, uh, you know, as far as you, the, the human possible, you do the human possible. The supernatural, he will do it. He will do the supernatural. You do the, the natural. He will do the supernatural. He will do what you need. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 6, there is a promise. God says, Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I said to you at the beginning that this is a broken world and that we are broken vessels. But broken vessels in the hands of God can be restored vessels. In the hands of God, a broken vessel can be a beautiful vessel. I don't know if I share with you the story about what the Japanese do when a vessel, something, a pottery breaks. Have I shared that with you? They, they fix it with gold. So, you know, you know, if you break something nice in your house, usually either we throw it away or, or we might use super glue to fix it so that you can't see the cracks. Especially if you're a child and you broke something from your mom. You don't want your mom to find out that you broke something. So you will super glue it so that it won't look like it's broken. Well, the Japanese don't do that. What they do is that they want to enhance the brokenness. Because for them, now that it's broken, because it's, it's a, a, an important piece, a valuable piece, now they want to fix it with gold. So they put gold around every broken piece. And it actually looks nice. You know, the, the, the pieces that were broken with the gold around it, it makes it look nicer. And in, in, when I saw that, it reminded me of how God fixes us. He doesn't want to hide the things that were broken in us, but he will enhance them to make them good, to be, to be a blessing for others. So if you've gone through difficult times, God doesn't want you to hide it. But he won't push you to, to share it if you don't feel like it. But when you share your experience with other people, you know, that will encourage other people and think, oh, wow, if, if God did that with you, then he can truly do something with me. It's, it's something that God wants to use to, to bless us. So that's the abundant life that he wants us to have. That even though I might have, you know, scars, in, you know, I'm talking about maybe not natural, but maybe spiritual or, you know, uh, emotional scars, that those things do not define me as a person. What, what defines me as a person is that I'm a child of God, that I am a daughter of God, that Jesus came to give me that life in abundance. And because of him, not because of me, but because of him, I can do greater things. God wants us to have that empowerment, to understand that you know, taking up your cross is not a bad thing. Taking up your cross is a good thing because that will give you the empowerment to be a true follower of Christ. In this world, in this time, 
The world needs to hear a message and needs to hear people who are willing to take up their cross, who have a cause for living. And that makes a huge difference. That's why you see, you know, suicide bombers, because the people that preach to them are people who are willing to die. They really don't care about dying. And so young people feel, oh, that, that's going to give me a cause. That gives me an idea of, of, you know, of something that gives me conviction. We need to be people of conviction. If you have that conviction of Jesus in your life, then you know, people will want to know, you know, how do you have that strength when all of these things are happening in your life? How are you able to stand strong when all of these difficulties are happening in your life? That's because you understand your purpose. When we understand your purpose, there is nothing that the enemy can do in our lives to stop us, to hinder us from God's purpose in our life. And I think that's the message that we need to take today. Why you, had, you have a reason why God created you. You have a purpose. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to be a prophet. You don't have to be an apostle. You have to be a follower of Christ. That is our title, a disciple. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ, to know, to know and to have that conviction that Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the reason. He is the, he is the one that we need to follow. So Jesus wants us to be his disciples, to understand that there is a price, there is a cause in following him. That in the midst of this broken world, with all the difficulties, with all the hardships that we face, that we can still have peace and security. That we can still have that life of abundance that he promises. That yes, we will, we will have to face our fears. We will have to face them. There's no way that that's not going to happen. We will have to face our fears. But through prayer, in the midst of the storms, we can trust that Jesus will guide our lives. I like, just to finish, I like what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12 says. It says, for now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. For now, I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Sometimes we don't even know our potentials ourselves. Sometimes we don't trust or we don't believe in ourselves. Sometimes we think too little of ourselves. But you know something that, that, uh, that gives me so much hope and in, encourages me is to know that God knows me. And, and when he knows me, he doesn't only know my mistakes and my faults, but he also sees the potential in me. And that's the same for you. God knows you fully completely, more than you know yourselves. Because sometimes we don't know that we were capable of doing something greater than what we think. But God knows you, and he sees the potential in you. And he wants you to understand. Let, let him guide you, you know. Don't limit yourself. Don't think, oh, I need to be like that person so I can really, really have all of my potential expanded. No. Just like you are, the way God made you, whether you're timid, whether you're loud, whether you like to make jokes, whether you like, don't like jokes, whether you are a people person, you know, you like to be with loads of people, or whether you prefer to be more on your own. Whatever way that you are, that's how God wants to use you because there are other people who need you like you are. They don't need you to be like someone else. They don't need uh, fakes. 
They need the real deal, and you are the real deal. Because sometimes we think, oh, if I could only... And sometimes people fake something that they're not. No, God wants you to, to be the real deal. Shall we pray and, and ask God to help us to take up our cross and to learn to pray when we go through difficult times? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. Thank you that in our difficult times, in, in the difficult seasons that we experience, Lord, where we have no answers for our situation, where we, are, where we feel anguish, where we feel hopeless, uh, where we feel, Lord, that we are ready to give up. There you intervene. There you are, Lord. There you are to encourage us, to strengthen us, to, to give us a word, to speak to us, Lord. Father, I pray right now, Lord, for every person that's listening to this message, Lord. We're all facing different situations. We're all facing different things, Lord but we are all your children. You have called us to be your disciples. And today, Lord, we want to take up our cross that's different for each one of us, Lord, and to follow you, Lord. Help us, Father, when we face difficulties. Strengthen us, Lord. Father, help us, Lord, when we feel in anguish and when we feel hopeless to know that you are there, to know that you will um, give us the word that we need to hear. And Father, I pray for the potential of every person in this place. May they know, may they know, Lord, that you want to use them just as they are. May they be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I rebuke, Father, every word that the enemy has spoken into their minds to discourage them, to hinder them, Father. I rebuke those lies from the enemy. And I declare, Father, your word in their lives, Lord. You have called them. You have called them, Father, for this time. You have called them, Father, to be the salt of the earth. You have called them to be the light to the world. In this world that we're living now, Father, Take away the fear, Lord. Help us, Father, to be the people of peace, people of love, to, that people will know that you, we are your disciples in that way that we love each other. Father, take away resentment and anger and bitterness. And Father, today we stand as a church. Let your will be done in City Temple, Lord. Let your will be done in our lives. Help us, Father, to fellowship with one another. Help us, Lord, to encourage one another. We pray for every member of City Temple right now, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will strengthen them, that you will allow them to grow in this time, Father. I pray, Father, that you will fill them with that love, with that joy that only you can give. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We worship you and we praise you, and we thank you, Lord. Father, may this word um, take us for the, this new season, Lord. Help us, Father, to remember 
how important it is to pray and to worship you as we worship you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.